0: Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. This is Francesco, your host podcasting from the headquarters of Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. In uh, this episode, I want to speak about one of these amazing tools that we have in unsupervised learning, which is GANs, or Generative Adversarial Networks. But of course, I don't want to give you just an explanation of what a GAN is. I think that many of us already know what GANs are, and uh, in this episode I would like to focus on a very interesting application of multi-scale GANs for generation of images. We have seen image generation a number of times already. And the problem is that I think we have seen a lot of toy examples in which, uh, you know, researchers have been playing with these tools and generating human faces or generating or giving a prediction of how you will look like in the future, probably when you're going to get hold. And, you know, all these things are, you know, very fun, of course, but they don't have, I think, a very practical value in terms of uh, what can we do with this if except for just laughing for five minutes. There is a group of research that in fact has been using GANs for much more sophisticated uh, concepts and I think much more useful ones in uh, medicine. And in particular, they have been uh, generating high-resolution medical images. Now, the reason why medical images, as many other data types, get replicated and get generated from, uh, let's say, original versions of, uh, of data is because... We want to, for example, do some data augmentation, we want to do some image reconstruction, in the case of images, and of course image synthesis or domain adaptation. So, there are a number of reasons why one wants to generate synthetic data. In the case of, for example, numeric data, another very interesting reason why one would generate synthetic data is, of course, for, you know, to keep privacy and confidentiality of the original data so that people don't have to share this data and therefore break any regulation that is eventually in place. If we can replicate data, if we can generate A synthetic version of the original data very accurately. In fact, it is very interesting because this means that we can share this data without disclosing and without breaking the or violating the privacy of individuals in case this data represents some kind of personal data or uh, personal phenomenon or social activities, uh, etc. So let's go back to the generation of of, uh, medical images or images in general. Now, in the literature, there is this uh, trend to generate images from, you know, synthetic images from original ones, uh, but just by using GANs and just feeding this GANs, or Generative Adversarial Network, with the original image. Now, when the image is pretty large, and usually interesting images are have a high resolution, uh, well, it becomes prohibitive and uh, it becomes, first of all, very slow because you need a lot of time and you need a lot of resources, to calculate these uh, mastodontic objects, and uh, when the image becomes, in fact, very large, uh, even not so large, but just, you know, larger than usual, let's say, definitely in the uh, resolution of 3,000, 5,000 pixels on on one side, well, then these type of calculations become prohibitive. And by prohibitive, I mean that you cannot actually do them with even with the the fanciest GPU that your pocket can allow. Let's go back one second to what GANs are. Well, GANs, or, or Generative Adversarial Networks, have shown already impressive results for photorealistic image synthesis in the last couple of years. There are many, many examples where we have seen these things Working pretty nice and improving in the months rather than the years. They can, in fact, generate uh, also images, for example, of human faces quite accurately, and it becomes extremely difficult to distinguish between an image generated by a computer and the real image of a face. So, you know, we can, in fact, generate fake people just by using these uh, objects, these deep learning objects. If we want to explain what a GAN is, it is very simple. In fact, it's a combination of two networks, not just one, which is the generator and the discriminator. So, the GAN works pretty much like this. There is a generator that receives an input, which is usually random noise, and tries to generate something that looks like an image. On the other side, we have a discriminator, which is another network, in fact, it's a classifier, but it's also a deep neural network that tries to distinguish if the image that it received is the fake one or the real one. And so, what happens when these two networks get trained together? Well, they start competing with each other. And in fact, you have the generator that training, you know, epoch by epoch will start generating images that are more and more realistic or definitely closer and closer to the original one and on the other side we have a discriminator that learns to discriminate better and better and so if you bring these two objects, these two networks to the extreme it will happen that the generator will start generating very accurate images and the discriminator is going to be more and more difficult for the generator to fool the discriminator because the discriminator will be very very accurate in discriminating indeed fake images from real images now what happens when the initial image is very large it has a high resolution well When an image has a high resolution and you trivially feed this image to the GAN or to any deep learning network, well, in fact, the um, number of neurons that you need or the number of layers that you need start growing, start increasing quite dramatically, which brings us to so-called computational complexity. And so, the problem here is that all these people, all these researchers who have tried to generate images straightforwardly just by feeding the network with the original large high-resolution images have usually failed. The problem is that when you have a high-resolution image, it is much easier for a discriminator to distinguish between a fake and a real one. And if you think about this, you know, the larger the image is, the more defect you can see with your open eye. And so this means that it also reflects for a neural network. When you start working at high resolution level, the number of details that the synthetic data must conserve is impressively high and very difficult to replicate. So what this research group has done is, in fact, they proposed a memory-efficient multi-scale GAN approach for the generation of high-resolution images in high quality. This approach is very interesting, in my opinion, because it combines a progressive multi-scale learning strategy with a so-called patch-wise approach, where, in fact, we have a low-resolution image content that is learned as uh, at the beginning, and then there are image patches at higher resolutions that are conditioned on the previous scales to preserve global intensity information. Now, in order to explain this, I want to do one step back and, you know, go back to the definition of the uh, GAN approach in general. So if you want to think in mathematical terms, in the GAN approach we have the generator, as I said, we will call G, and the discriminator we will call D. Now, the generator, from a mathematical perspective, is a mapping between, you know, from z to y, where z is usually a random noise vector and y is the output image that we are generating. So, this is very interesting because it works up to a certain point. There are other GANs that are called conditional GANs where together with the random noise vector Z as input, we also give an observed image X. So this is called the condition. And so we ask the network, we enforce the generator to generate a image Y on the condition of X. This is even more interesting than the traditional GAN because in fact, when we allow a network to have a condition, when we enforce the network with a condition, we are narrowing down the number of possible images that the network can generate. And so, we can in fact generate much faster than a network that is unconditional. What is now this multiscale conditional GAN? Well, the brilliant idea of this research group is um, very, very simple. In fact, in this approach, there is a lowest-resolution GAN and a high-resolution GAN. Now, the low-resolution GAN is, in fact, generating the image in low-resolution. But, of course, it's generating the entire image in low-resolution. And this generated image is passed to the second step, or second phase, that is the high-resolution GANs, and there are many of those. Because each of these GANs, each of these high-resolution GANs, are generating patches of the image. As we move in the pipeline uh, from the low-resolution, then the first high-resolution, then we have the second high-resolution, and so on a number of times, every time we move from uh, left to right, so towards the higher and higher resolution, in fact, we are generating patches that depend, that are conditioned on the previous resolution, but are upscaled to the size of the current scale. So this is an interesting approach because as we move from left to right, we are increasing the resolution of the patch. This means that if the patch size of each resolution is constant, well, each patch will cover a smaller and smaller fraction of the overall image. But at the end of the day, what we get is uh, the generation of multiple patches that then we assemble together in order to have the full image. Talking about architectures, the low-resolution GAN uses a so-called U-Net architecture. It's a very well-known architecture, and it's also known to filter out many unimportant details. This is fine, because in fact, in the first stage, remember, we are replicating, or in fact, we are generating a low-resolution image. And so, it's fine to have an architecture that is, you know, filtering out unimportant details, because at this point of the pipeline, we don't really need details. For the patch generation by the uh, high-resolution GANs, there are ResNet blocks, and uh, since, uh, you know this. ResNet is a very well-known architecture that produces sharper results by keeping the input image resolution unchanged. With this approach, in fact, it is possible to save a lot of memory, and so the assumed lower bound of memory usage, which means the minimum amount of memory that is required for this approach to complete, include one forward and backward pass for the generator and the discriminator, as well as the memory required to store the images, the gradients, and of course, the network's parameter for batch size of one. This in contrast is uh, orders of magnitude less than what is usually required for guns that uh, are fed with high resolution image straightforwardly. And indeed, this approach can uh, easily work on a decent GPU, a Titan XP 12 gigabyte that the authors used for this experiment. To conclude, the authors have shown that, in contrast to existing GANs that produce the whole image at once, this approach, which is a patch-based method, only requires constant GPU memory with respect to the image size. I think this is a very interesting result. It's a very sophisticated scheme that, indeed, produces images incrementally with higher and higher resolution, and it works. It simply works even for images of uh, high dimensions. That is, for example, 3D images or 3D medical images, which is quite common. I hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter on uh, amethix.com, A-M-E-T-H-I-X dot slash newsletter. It's uh, the best selection in artificial intelligence and machine learning straight to your inbox, spam not included. And of course, I thank you guys for following and for taking the time to listen to this episode. Talk to you next time. Ciao. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.